welcome to the Nutrition Science Podcast, where we help you cut through the noise and make informed, science-based decisions about nutrition and your health. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have my friend Ashley Dwyer on the show, and we are going to be talking about the negative impacts of striving for that goal body or that goal physique. And Ashley is a former pharmacist turned health coach, and she is also a former NPC fitness competitor. So she was going through competitions while she was getting her pharmacy degree, and she continued to go through competitions after getting her pharmacy degree, and it had a major negative impact on her health. And this was eye-opening for her in a lot of ways and caused her to change a lot of things about her lifestyle. And we're going to talk about her story and how striving to achieve a perfect aesthetic in terms of the way she was looking had a major negative impact on her health, her hormones, her digestion, and more. So I think this is going to be a very insightful episode. Ashley was telling me her story. And I told her that I wanted to bring her on the show because I know a lot of people are striving to lose those last 10 pounds or to achieve a certain body composition or a certain aesthetic look. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned in the stories of individuals who have gone through this process and experienced negative health outcomes as a result, which is quite common. So I am looking forward to bringing you this episode. With that said, we'll go ahead and get into it. All right. Welcome back to the Nutrition Science Podcast. I am here with my friend Ashley. We are going to talk about her story from going from fitness competitor to pharmacist to now health and fitness coach. And she has a lot of useful insights that I think are going to be very helpful for everyone listening. So thanks for coming on, Ashley. Yay. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, me too. So I want to go ahead and get started and jump right into your story. I mentioned the fitness competitor. So I want to kind of get started there and talk about your journey through fitness, what made you want to compete, and then let's discuss kind of what, you know, what experiences you had through that process and how that kind of shaped some of the stuff that you do today. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, so fitness competitions, fitness competitor, what that means for everyone else is basically like the NPC bodybuilding shows that we that we see and we see all the really tan people up on stage flexing like I wasn't flexing. It was bikini. <laughs> but I had a friend of mine. I remember coming home from college one day or for the summer. I went to Gainesville. So yeah, go Gators. Giving them like all the money for pharmacy school. So we're going to be like super fans. I remember coming home from my first year of pharmacy school and meeting a girl who did these competitions. And I was like an athlete in high school and an athlete growing up. So, you know, when you're in college and you're not a collegiate athlete, you're just like, what can I like challenge myself and do? So I met this girl and I was like, she could do it. I could totally do this. So I wanted to try it. So she introduced me to her trainer and I started like training for my first competition and I loved it. Like I loved it. I won my first competition. Granted, they were like much smaller and different back then. This was like 2011. So mm. it was before it like blew up with PEDs and <laughs> all the thing. Yeah. So, but I really loved the challenge of it and how you could manipulate so much through diet and exercise and salt and carbs. And I just like being the science nerd that I am, I loved it. So I continued to do those probably over the next, I want to say I did like one more the following summer because I learned real quick, you can't do these competitions during school when you need your brain. <laughs> there's, there's no there's no point. They're not very healthy. I want to put that out there first. Like the way that you train for these are not healthy, which will roll into the next, right? So then I graduated pharmacy school. I, you know, 
I did want to be, I wanted to get into dietetics, but I was like, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay in pharmacy school and maybe I will be able to bring this knowledge to my patients. And then mm-hmm. I get out into pharmacy and <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, no, I worked retail. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. Like I worked retail pharmacy. It's a glorified McDonald's system. Yeah, yeah. you're just, you just filling orders essentially. Oh my gosh. And it was so high stress, which is an important component of this conversation. So I graduated pharmacy school and I was like, let me do one more. Let me do one more competition just to see like the muscle and stuff I've put on. And so I did one more competition and didn't place, but like had fun, didn't want to do them again. But where that kind of became ugly for me is I wanted to stay like a competitor forever. I wanted the six pack and the eight pack forever. I wanted to just look that way all the time. And because you get down to such like a lean, mean, like muscular, you know, and I never thought I would have abs in my entire life. I was just like, I'm not built that way. <laughs> and I like really learned how to eat. And I was like, oh, never, never mind. But I was eating so little calories to try and stay that small and working out six or seven days a week, fasting cardio. I had an eating disorder at the time from likely competing like orthorexia. So just obsession over food, obsession with what I was eating. If I had like anything other than protein before bed, it was like, I'm going to blow up and gain so much weight. And, you know, it, it wasn't good. And then I had to do fasting cardio the next day. So all of that coupled with a pharmacy career threw my hormones into the dumpster. Like I was feeling like total crap. So maybe I looked good, but I felt terrible. I could have a full like venti coffee from Starbucks and fall asleep immediately after hour. It was just no energy whatsoever. Times. No, I was just always tired. And I, I used to call myself, I wasn't actually narcoleptic, but like I, I was tired all the time. Yeah. Falling asleep yeah it was so bad and i was like i don't understand why i feel this way and then it's like i'm not eating carbs and i'm like i don't know i don't get it yeah. let's backtrack so, a little bit i want to i want to get a little bit into the competing and like yeah. what went into that because you kind of you kind of went through it and you said you competed a few times and and you kind of mentioned you know low calorie diet cardio yeah. like what exactly did that entail like low calorie diet how many calories were you eating cardio how much were you doing and all of that so I'll be honest, like back when I was competing, my trainer didn't use macros. There's a lot of coaches that use macros now. He would just give us a meal plan. And I, mm. I, I'm sure in this desk, because I kept it, I can find a copy of like my peak week meal plan. Like I kept it so I could post it one day. But the meal plans he would give us were like egg whites and spinach. Like when you got down to the nitty gritty, right? I, I, was, right. I can imagine what it is. <laughs> Fish and fish and broccoli, egg whites and spinach, oh chicken and steamed tilapia. I am still cursed to this. I'm still PTSD I, steamed tilapia. You got the tablespoon of macadamia nut oil that was in like your second meal. You have just boiled chicken breast. You have, and at the time that was when like salt was being removed from diet. So Mrs. Dash and all of that. Now it's like, oh, we need salt. Like competitors are eating salt. <laughs> like thank gosh, but. I would say I was probably eating less than a thousand calories a day. There's no way I was eating more with like egg whites, a quarter cup of oatmeal. You know, maybe when I was on the starting plan, it was like 1200. But then as we got closer, it was less. Probably like 800 or something. I've seen some of these plans and I was thinking that in my head, probably 12 to 8 progression. 
find it. I'm going to find it because I know I have it. There's, oh, wait, 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 wait. Is this it? I'm literally not even kidding. Like, I have it somewhere. I'll find it before the end. But it was not good. It was like your 12 almonds, right? Like, we all know the, the stereotypical fitness 12 almond diet where you bring it in like a bag. So I was eating that. And it made it so hard to want to go off plan, right? Because you're, you're eating that amount of food. And it, and and it works. It works. It does. And if I went out to eat, like I had restaurants where I knew I could eat, like sushi was a big one. Sashimi was so easy and so like clean. If you don't use soy sauce and whatever, you're literally just eating pure protein. So I had these like safe foods. I used to bring, I was tailgating in college and I wasn't like, I couldn't drink at the time because the competition was near. And I remember going out to my scooter because everyone had scooters. (laughs) And bringing out my lunchbox and eating like chicken and broccoli at the tailgate while everyone's doing like beer bar and eating pizza. Oh, it's the extremes. It's a lot of sacrifice. It's very extreme. Like I do, I don't regret doing them. And I think I learned a lot mentally about myself and willpower and discipline. But man, I don't recommend that diet to anyone, which goes mm-hmm. along with. That's why that type of diet and that type of physique, doing it in that way is not sustainable. Like there's mm-hmm. no way to continue eating that way and that little forever. So exactly. you would do that. You would cut water, you would, you know, water cycle and you would you would do all this like manipulation. And then the night before you'd carb up, you'd get on stage and then you're all painted. <laughs> my my trainer used to like paint me with Pam over the table. <laughs> I didn't know they did all that. Yes, they do. It's so good. And then you get on stage, which was the worst part for me. Believe it or not, I'm shy. So I like didn't want or I was. I didn't want people to like judge me on stage. But like, that's what I'm there for. And then you just kind of like do want to do it again. But it just gets you to this part where you like love seeing like the lines and the muscles and like the for me, it was yeah. the abs back then. It was the abs. I had no butt. That- it was the abs. <laughs> That's what I was going to get a little bit more into is because this can apply beyond just competition. So yeah. a lot of people have goal weights. They have certain weights that they're trying to achieve for, you know, vacation or, you know, for a wedding, which is great. There's nothing wrong with with wanting to improve your physique and, and do those type of things. But, you know, if you take yourself to a point, if you use unsustainable methods to achieve a certain look, then it creates a different standard in your mind of like, this is how I'm supposed to look and this is how I can look. Yep. And it's probably not going to be achievable with sustainable methods if you're using extreme, you know, extreme methods to get there. No, like I I lost, I'm trying to do like quick math right now. I went from 134 pounds to my stage weight being 108 pounds. I lost 26 pounds in like 16 weeks. And you were 108? Me at 108 pounds doesn't look great. It's too, like, wow. it's too shiny. I'm too shiny. But yeah. I was, like, nothing. It was, my mom was, like, terrified that my face was so, like, sunken in. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's not good. So. And then you get praised for it. You know, on that stage, you get praised for looking that way. And it makes you want to do it again yes a hundred percent like then you're like oh this feels good this looks good and i didn't have a coach at the time who reverse dieted me so i didn't have that knowledge and 
that like it wasn't until after my health issues and I was older, like way older that I even knew what a reverse diet was. So I didn't get taken out of that diet properly, which is where a lot of competitors like instantly binge and then gain 30 to 40 pounds back. I didn't. I probably gained like the normal 10 or 12 from water weight that you're supposed to gain back. Yes. But I didn't learn how to you keep eating that. that way. Yeah, I didn't I mean I didn't eat as strict. And I brought some drinking back in between shows, obviously, because I was in college, but I still stayed little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And how long did how long were you doing that for? Like, how long were you at that lower weight? So my first competition, I was 22. And my last competition, I was 26. So I think I probably rode the 120 for a while or the, mm-hmm. you know, the 120. Then I got up to like 130 and I was still leaner-ish, like 125. And then my last competition, I did another one at 26 after pharmacy school. And then I tried to stay, like my stage weight was like 118 that show. And I tried to stay 120. And that's when like everything took a dump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about that piece. Cause you mentioned hormones tanking. Let's get more specific there. Like what exactly happened? Um, yeah. and yeah, how did you, how did you first realize that you started having a problem? Oh, I just started like feeling like crap. Like you suddenly get to a point where you're like, this is not normal. Like I, yeah. this, like I'm so tired. This can't be normal. Mm-hmm. I started having like hair shedding and a lot of that going on too. So I was like, all right, now we got to go get blood work done. Let's see what's going on. So I went and got blood work done and my cortisol was super high. My glucose actually was really low. It was like 59. So my fasted glucose. And I was like, oh, this is great. I should have wonder I'm also hypoglycemic, right? All of my hormones, like progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, they were in the toilet. They were in the like menopausal, perimenopausal range, like not even trying to register. I actually only had subclinical hypothyroidism. So like my TSH was normal. My T4 was technically normal, but my T3 was really low, which is no surprise to me or you because my body fat was so low and I was eating so low. What else? Like anything that could have been off was was off. Like my fasting insulin was really high. <laughs> it was just a, a, a huge, I was a stress ball. Like that's what it was. My body was just in cortisol overdrive from what I was doing to it. Yeah, that that's something that a lot of people don't realize is like dieting is a stress. Getting out, yeah. getting down to a low body fat is a stress. It's a it's a really big stress. Like even for me, you know, there's like there's a happy place for me that is probably a little bit more body fat than having abs, as opposed to like being really shredded. I just feel better, and I've been yeah. doing this for years. Like you, you have more energy. Your body has more fuel reserves, and when your body is in a in a more nourished state versus a more deprived state, it's going to be able to function better. And all of the things that you're mentioning with like the, the hormones, it's you're just going to see those start to go down and just drop because your body is placing less energy into you know sexual health yeah. and, and those organs and more into just keeping you alive at that point procreation at that point is a luxury like it's it's not a necessity to keep you alive so kind of yeah 
Exactly. Same thing happens with guys. So low testosterone will occur at lower body fat percentages. And if you talk to any guy who's, who's done any type of fitness competition, they'll tell you that they had absolutely no libido towards the end and were exhausted. And and, and that's not the way to live. And, And we look at this stuff, you know, from the outside perspective, it looks, it looks, you know, nice. It looks like something we want to do. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. We want to, I want to have a six pack and abs like that. Let me, let me create a goal around that. And, and it's, again, I don't want to say it's, there's nothing wrong with striving for improving your physique and wanting to look a certain way. It's just being realistic about, you know, there's going to be a point where there's going to be a trade-off between health and body fat percentage. Like you'll get down to such a low body fat percentage that it's going to start to negatively impact your health. And that's going to be different for everyone. And one of the things, one of the other things that we, that I think a lot of people struggle with is you might see people who can naturally maintain much lower body fat percentages in you. And you think, oh, I should be able to do that too. But it's, it's just genetic differences. Yeah. It's definitely a genetic, like some people are just genetically gifted, like the ones who just year after year win the Olympia and can be in these shows and do these year, like do these all the time, right? Like that's just some type of super freak. But I won't say like, I agree with you a thousand percent as far as like body fat, especially for women, because women are like, I want to get down to such low levels. And I'm like, you do realize that 10 to 13 percent is essential for your survival, right? Essential. That means you are literally surviving. You are not thriving in any capacity. So during my shows, I'm probably 10 to 11 percent. Like it was disgusting. It wasn't great. Most women lose their periods. Like it's just a known thing. It's not not supposed to be celebrated. But then you get to maybe around like 18. Like I'm not going to sit here and say you can't have abs and you can't be healthy at the same time because you absolutely can. I think Mm -hmm. what most people miss is they want to lose all of this body fat and get down to a small body fat, but they don't have enough muscle built up. That will also help them in their longevity and their hormone health and feel better and also have the look they're going for, right? So And you'll still be able to eat more. I mean, the amount of eating now compared to what I used to eat is like insane. Yeah, exactly. Building up a little bit of muscle and and going through that process. And we'll talk about your journey in that because I wanna I definitely want to highlight that aspect of it. But that's it's really important from that perspective, you know, it's you can just eat more when you build muscle over time. Like and some people I've had people comment and that's one of the reasons I don't share some of my like food on social media because I eat yeah. so much that like it's unrealistic for most people. Like I have to eat 3,200 calories just to maintain my body weight. And even then it's like probably a slight deficit for me. A lot of guys should be eating that much. We have guys who come to work with us who are eating like 1,800 and I'm like, sir, that is the equivalent of like the 1,200 for women. Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, most of the time it's eating 1800, but not really paying attention to like, they're just snacking a lot too. Yeah. 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 They end up eating close to like 3000, but they're intentionally eating 1800. Then there's 1200 of like fluff in there as well. Yeah. And so there's that piece of it too. But let's talk. So when you're, when you found out your hormones like were, were just completely tanked, what was, what was your next steps? Yeah. So at that point, I was a pharmacist, right? I knew nothing really about, I wasn't in the holistic health space, yes, or the or the that type of, of anything yet. I was just like scared. At the time, I was like, my body failed me. I'm supposed to be this like healthcare person and I'm super unhealthy apparently right now when I look like the epitome of health, which is crazy, what we were talking about. 
So my doctor put me on levothyroxine and mm-hmm. sent me on my way, right? And so that became a really big battle for me between Western medicine and like functional medicine because he would just increase my levo doses and then my TSH would be like zero or 0.01 and my T3 would still be like crap. I don't can we curse on this channel? <laughs> and then, and then he would give me Cytomel and so I'd be taking both and it still wouldn't really help. And then I finally was like, I'm done. Like I got off birth control because that was also a component of it, too, is like I was on birth control during during this whole time, too. So even if I was getting a period, it might not have been real because of withdrawal bleed. Right. So I don't really know if I lost my cycle during my during my competitions. But then I got off that. And so it just became this like year struggle of feeling like crap, trying to figure out what to do and the answers to do it. Then I finally saw it like functional medicine help and completely like shifted. Like I, I changed medicines. Thankfully, I went to NP thyroid. So like a desiccated, which I'm still on, does wonders for me so much better. But then just got into more supplements and more lifestyle changes and more like, oh, you need to eat more. You're still eating 1500 calories. Like, no wonder we're not seeing improvement. So and it was like, you need to eat more carbs and we need to actually back off training because if you thought that I got the medication and then didn't continue my lifestyle or like you know got that blood work and then flipped my lifestyle no way because I didn't think my lifestyle was the problem I'm healthy your lifestyle was healthy yeah right so yeah I kept doing all that yeah that's that's very interesting because like like you you thought your lifestyle was healthy and and you really thought that it seems like it was like okay this all of these things have happened for, for no reason, but the reality is that's what, and that, that's one of the dangers of kind of going into this fitness space too deep and getting surrounded by uh, a lot of individuals in this health and fitness space or in the bodybuilding space or physique spaces, you start to think that a lot of that stuff is healthy of looking that way and being that obsessive with your nutrition. And one of the things, yeah, I've, I've, I think I made a post on social media quite a while back that was like, you know, if you're trying to be healthy and li- live like a long, healthy life, you probably shouldn't be taking advice from bodybuilders. Like that's just not the right, the information is not the right information for you. They're giving you information based on looking a certain way and revolving your life around looking a certain way. And that's not what most of us want to do. Now, if you want to do that, then go take advice from them. But if that's not the direction that you want to go with your life, then taking advice from bodybuilders is probably not the ideal place to get nutrition information. And that it's shifted now, but that used to be one of the main places that people got nutrition information was, oh, that guy has a lot of muscle and looks a certain way. I'm going to take information from him. Yeah. And the supplement recommendations, like everyone was lining up at GNC at the time, right? For like all the crap supplements you're bringing. I mean, trust me, I used to be like a Tupperware cooler type of girl. And, you know, that was normal. Uh, People don't want to do that. They still want to go out to eat. They still want to like eat normal food, not like cold chicken and green beans in a container. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the bodybuilding world has shifted though. Now they're a little bit more focused overall on macros, but yeah. it makes sense and, and it should be. And there's something to be learned from from tracking macros. Everyone who listens to this knows that I'm not against that at all, but but obsessing over it and spending your life doing that for, for the entirety of your life, I think can be a little too much. So here's something. So 
I didn't do macros previously. I did a meal plan, right? And then I had the orthorexia. It was really, like, really, really overly obsessive. And then I would binge. And I would binge, like, heavy, like, full bags mm. of chips in, like, three minutes. Like, they were gone. It wasn't until I learned macros and started practicing macros that I actually got out of, and I know this is like counterintuitive for most people, got out of the eating disorder issue because I learned slowly that I could have balance and incorporate some of these foods I thought were bad, like bad into my day and still hit my calories. And then, so it wasn't until I actually started tracking macros that I like found my balance, which you know, now I track here and there depending on my goal, but I think it can bring a ton of food freedom and teach you a lot of self-awareness about yourself and foods. And then you like learn, once you learn how to eat, then you can like, you know, transition out of it. That's just like yeah. my personal thing and my personal experience, but. Well, I agree. Again, the regular listeners of the show know that exactly what you just explained, like tracking to learn about how to structure yeah. your nutrition appropriately. And then build habits around that so that you can sustain that for forever. And that point that you mentioned about, you know, it's counterintuitive that you tracking macros, like kind of helped you get out of that orthorexia. I'm not surprised. I've heard this multiple times. It's not counterintuitive. I've, and I've even seen this on some of the posts that I've made. Like I've talked about counting macros and people like criticize it. And then other people say like, hey, this, this completely helped me like out of my issues. But I've, I've seen that with multiple clients as well. It's learning about food. Because that's one of the, the, the issues in some cases or in a lot of cases is it's lack of knowledge or the wrong information that's causing people to have these types of fears around food. It's, it's because you've been told that this is so toxic and, and this is going to make you fat. And, and so you have all of these beliefs that you're holding on to sometimes that once you start to track and you kind of see the numbers and you and tracking is just part one part of like tracking in my opinion is just like a really really effective learning process and so once you learn about nutrition and and you can make you know informed decisions and all of that stress and anxiety kind of goes away because you have more knowledge to make those decisions i'm glad you've had some people in your comments say that because i feel like every time i make a post like you said we get the criticizers are like no this isn't good for like you know, EDs. And I'm like, but wait, like, but wait. So I'm yeah. glad you've seen the opposite side of that too. That yeah. I've seen, I've, I've seen it on social. I've seen it. I've seen it with like clients directly though, like with clients that I've worked with who they were worried to track. Cause I, I never tell anyone you have to track. I'm like, Hey, this is, yeah. these are the pros and cons. This is like, you know, I recommend this or not. And oftentimes I do recommend it for someone who has body composition goals. You know, if you're, and not even body composition goals, but if you're, if your health can benefit from losing some body fat because you're carrying a little bit of excess fat and you've struggled with losing that fat yeah. for a long period of time to other methods and you've done low carb and this and that tracking will like just teach you exactly how to get there in, in, in a, in a predictable way, as opposed to just like trying yes, to take weight carbs or trying to fast or you know, yes. go whole dirty. And, and then you go through these cycles of these unsustainable approaches where if, is if you track, you can say, what are the priorities that I want? What do I want that's going to keep me satisfied throughout the week? I can, you know, do I want to have ice cream four nights a week? Do I want to, you know, incorporate pasta nights and pizza? And you can do all of that if that's you're tracking. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so, yeah, you can do all that if you're tracking and still 
make positive progress and then you learn how to build a, a like a sustainable life around your nutrition needs because your nutrition needs are important they are important <laughs> yes i i mean you got i w i wasn't planning on going off on that but like when you talk about it in that way yeah cuz it is it's often demonized by people who have previously had um, a history of eating disorder and negative, like negative associations with it. And I actually, uh, I would have published probably two episodes ago, another podcast talking about eating disorders. And we actually had a discussion about this. And for the other side, she, she got into the eating disorder from tracking. And it's like a yeah. little bit of the other side. She had to stop tracking. And so Aww. it's just nuance. That's just how nutrition works. Sometimes tracking is going to be very helpful for you. Sometimes yeah. probably not something you should do. And, you know, that's just the challenge with nutrition sometimes. Okay. Definitely yeah. worth a try. Yeah. So you started tracking, started eating more. You got into understanding that your lifestyle probably played a role. So what, what, how did your journey go from there? So I actually, so I hired this like functional medicine doctor who was also into like holistic health stuff down in South Florida. And they were like, listen, this is what we're doing. We're taking your workouts. You're working out two times a day, 30 minutes max, or two times a week, 30 minutes max. So they totally scaled down my workouts. They gave me all this different type of food because I was having gut issues. Like nothing was going great <laughs> for a while. And this is over the span of like five years. So I did all of this and I was like terrified, right? I'm like working out two days a week. Like I'm going to like blow up, right? Like I, I just had this whole fear of, of, you know, not being the small competitor anymore and changed my diet, changed the type of foods, fixed the digestive issues, like went through this whole protocol. And I was like, oh, this works like this works. I backed off of this and it's actually like it's working. So then I became really fascinated with that. And then once I become really interested in something, I like look it up to the extreme and want to like learn more about it. So here's me as like a pharmacist, like how do I become a functional medicine doctor? Right. <laughs> like, look at looking at practitioner stuff for that. And I was like, I'm not going back to school for another four years. So it kind of like flew by the wayside. But now I, I had this knowledge of lifestyle and I started to feel better and started to like kind of get back into a better groove of like balance for my life. I still wasn't fully tracking, but I knew what to eat and how to eat kind of at that time. And then the coaching thing didn't start until, oh my gosh, probably... I mean, yeah, I guess it started in the middle of it because I'm trying to think like I was probably 29 when I was doing this whole protocol thing. And remember, I just got diagnosed at like 27 or 20. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it had still been two years before I found like real functional lifestyle health. And I think I launched my company in 2018, but they were unrelated at the time. Like it's kind of they were related, but not so I. I ended up helping my girlfriends get ready for their weddings because I was 28 and had like five girlfriends getting married in a year. That's just what happens at 28. Everyone was getting married. Yeah, yeah. And I was the fit friend. So they were like, can you help me lose weight for my wedding? And I was like, sure. So I would give them like, you know, plans back then and it would work. So they're like, you need to do this for a living. And I was like, I can't do this for a living. I have a full time job. And so I kept sitting on it. And then I eventually like did it one day, created like a domain name, the social media pages, registered for an LLC. And I was like, okay, I'm a coach now. Like I signed up for like an ACE certified health coaching thing, mm. like a six month course so that I 
had something other than my pharmacy license. And I only worked with brides because I was like, you're getting ready for a giant event. I saw what my friends were doing by crash dieting. And I was like, no, we're not crash dieting. Let me tell you what this does. No. So I helped them do it in a more sustainable way. And then just during that process, I came back to like what happened to me and just was meeting was meeting so many women who maybe weren't getting married, but were having like hormonal issues, stress issues, gut issues, whatever. So I transitioned to macros and then I like totally rebranded the company. We were no longer doing brides and and things of that nature. We were doing more metabolic and hormone and that's where we are now. So that probably happened after two years. I transitioned like just slowly and now it's just more of like stress balance and hormone optimization and not crashing your body like bodybuilders do like not doing that yeah so in terms of your health you started eating more when did you start to know weirdest changes and stuff oh man so i actually started eating more and even eating more for me was like 16 1700 like it wasn't a giant but that was probably a 300 calorie jump from what i was and i was eating more carbs so i was like proud of myself but it wasn't until I hired my first health coach and they put me through my first reverse diet. Because mm-hmm. if you have like other people listening who don't like are afraid to eat more, I was too. So I hired a coach to do it for me. So I went through my first reverse diet and got up to like 2000 calories. And I was like, what? This is incredible. Like I can eat this much and I'm not gaining weight and my lips are so much better and whatever, whatever. So it was probably in 2020 or 20 yeah 2020 during the pandemic that Mm -hmm. i actually started to like get up into the 2000s with eating and yeah ever since then i've just kind of been pushing it more and lifting heavier and doing more and scaling off my medication which is great like i've been able to lower my dosages and then i went through my first first bulk last year (laughs) and then So now it's just like now we're in that balance mode of my health where like now I just get to pick what I want to do. I know what my maintenance is. I know I sit here most often. I sit Mm -hmm. at maintenance calories instead of living in a deficit. I feel exponentially better. My hormones all re-regulate. Like everything came back normal. Of course, when you do bulks and stuff like we talked about before, it's not. (laughs) Your body doesn't love that either. But so much better. So much better from just like trying to give up the super lean lifestyle. Which is also insane because it's not like I'm out of shape either. So it's not like I've lost a lot or gotten like extremely heavy by just doing this. I'm still around like 135, but like denser. (laughs) Yeah, you you built some muscle. So you mentioned a bulk. So what does that mean? Like you just started eating more calories now and you're lifting more. So like. Over time, you're going to bulk. Like you're going to build a little bit of muscle over time. You were just a little bit more intentional there for a period of time. So, yeah. So what happened also, which was like a freak accident, nothing really to do with my health, I guess. But I ended up like in 2021 being in a toxic, pretty toxic relationship. So I ended up losing eight and a half pounds in Mm -hmm. six months. And I couldn't gain it back. No matter what I did, no matter how much I ate, I couldn't gain the weight back. So for me, I was like 126 and a half. And I was so like, to me, that was super thin again. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. And so I had to go into a bulk or I went into a bulk so I could gain all that weight back. 
So mm-hmm. I did eventually get up to like 141, but I had never intentionally pushed myself to eat 3000 calories before, right? Like that was, oh, is that what you were doing? that's what I was doing. I had to eat between 2,800 and 3000 to even make a dent because I don't think we've talked about this and I'll like share really quickly, but even when I was eating 2,700 and like 450 grams of carbs a day with my coach at the time, I was not eating. My body was like ripping through it. Like, wow. like it was so frustrating because eating became a chore and I wasn't seeing the results from it. So we ended up having to like completely back off training and actually drop my calories low again, like 2000 or under so that it kind of, I don't know, like, I know, I know the scientific process was eventually somewhere, but I had to really slow it down. And so once we did that, it took about four months, but I eventually started gaining again. So then we could like, yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't, I went from like 2,200 to 2,700 calories and still wasn't gaining anything, even at almost 500 grams of carbs. And we were like, what is going on? So yeah, yeah, I needed to almost, I mean, I needed to almost put it into a stress state again at like 2,000 calories to get it to like slow my metabolism. Well, without the training though, is what, because you took, you took back the training at that point? Yeah, I mean, I was still doing like three to four days a week. Okay. Maybe my intensity was a little lower sometimes. We actually added in sprints at that point. So it was just like insane of what was happening, but I finally started to gain weight. So then... So then the bulk like fully kicked off and then it was like 3000 calories for a long time to get me to 141. And uh, then I was like, okay, I'm good here. <laughs> that's, that's 15 pounds. I've, I've had enough. And so then my maintenance is now like 2,500 where I was living for a bit. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is really important. Like this, this piece of you can eat so much more now because you basically gave yourself permission or forced yourself to eat more for a long period of time and i've talked about this before in various podcasts definitely have discussed this in like energy balance podcast that i did a while back of like you just have to eat more sometimes build some muscle and do that for a long period of time and that's something that a lot of women struggle with a lot of women who are happy with their body composition who are constantly trying to lose weight they really need to focus on this side of things Uh, just focusing on nourishing your body properly so that it can recover properly so that you can get good training sessions in so that you don't lose your period and your testosterone doesn't tank and your other hormones don't tank and if you do it in a in that type of way where you're focused on just eating a little bit more a little bit you know in excess of your energy needs and training over over a long period of time that's really what so many women need for improving their health long term and it's it doesn't have to be you know training four or five days a week it's you know three days per week of really quality training sessions and just making sure that you're eating more (laughs) like it doesn't even have to be the highest quality food it's you know more calories if you've been restricting yourself for a long period of time and yes, quality does matter, but you know, the, the, the energy needs need to be met in order for your body to, to do what it needs to do. And, and if you're low on energy, your body is going to not recover properly. Your hormones are going to be affected. 
No, exactly. And I think I think what most women like a hundred percent agree. But I, I think the one thing that was really crucial for me to learn is like. You need to sit. Like people need I say maintenance and I'm like, I hope everyone knows what that means, but you should be living at maintenance for the majority of your time and maintenance for most women, unless you are really petite, short Right. Like I had a, a console call last week. She's four, nine and a hundred and a hundred pounds, 99 pounds and four, nine. She's going to have a much lower calorie need than five, five and 135 like myself. Right. So that might be under 2000 calories for her. But most women are going to need 2000, 2200, somewhere around there. That's where you should be shooting for. And that's where we should be staying, of course, with food quality and protein and all of that for the majority of our time. But a lot of women, we like to live in the deficit area because we think if we eat more, there's no way we can eat 2,000 calories. To your point earlier, not realizing we do that on accident by yes. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, the problem is living in the deficit, trying to live in the deficit, So, but you never end up being in a deficit because you overeat at night, you overeat on the weekends. You binge on random occasions. And that's the real problem that a lot of people experience is they're trying to live in a deficit and, and just binging all the time because they're constantly under eating in the, in the intentional choices that they make with their food. And they just need to be more intentional about like eating enough. Right. Like if I could tell any woman listening right now, like why starve your, why eat 1400 calories a day and then binge one or two days a week up to like 2000 or even more often. When you could literally spend time just getting your metabolism back up to where it's supposed to be, sitting at maintenance. And then when you want to cut, like if my maintenance is 2,500, if I want to go into a deficit, it's 2,200 now. I am never visiting 17, like anything below 2,000 calories again. I will never be there because of the work that we've put in to get my body back and regulated and the muscle mass I put on. So when everyone says like, I could never do that, I love to eat. Me too, which is why I'm trying to make sure I get to eat as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so important because it makes it easier. It makes the lifestyle easier. If if you can, if you can stay healthy at 2,500 calories and have a healthy body composition at 2,500 calories, your life is just easier than having to eat 1,800 to be there. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that I think is important, but it takes the work, like you mentioned, of just years of lifting, eating a little bit more and allowing yourself to see the scale go up. Cause that is the piece that a lot of people struggle with is seeing the number on the scale go up when they're expecting it, you know, when they're so used to constantly striving for it to go down. I've been talking about the scale a lot on my social media lately because it's definitely a point of contention when we coach, when you're coaching women. And it's like, all right, I understand maybe your goal weight is like 125, but your goal body, she's not 125. Like I can tell you the picture that you've sent me that you want to look like. This chick is like 140 easily, right? With all the like muscle mass and glutes she's got, like you know, it's hard to tell from pictures, but I'm saying your your goal body and the physique you want, we weigh more than that like little scale weight that you're looking for. So stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Body composition is so much more important than the number on the scale. And I've talked about this. The people who listen to my show know I've talked about this many, many times. 
But, you know, I, I think that your story kind of helps illustrate that pretty well. And you talk about it a lot, like you mentioned on your social media page. So that I think is really helpful. So if anyone is kind of resonating with this, stuck in that kind of space where you're scared to see the scale go up, you're scared to eat more, you feel like it's going to make you gain weight and negatively affect your body composition, definitely recommend going and following Ashley on Instagram. So if you can just kind of give us a little plug on where to find you so that, you know, anyone who's kind of resonating with that message can go check you out there. Yeah, my Instagram is at dr.dwyer. So D is in dog, dr.dwyer. All right. Yeah, so I'll put that link in the show notes. And where else, is there anything else that you want to kind of send listeners towards or or anything else that you want to promote? (laughs) Anything else I want to promote? Well, I assume your audience is full of coaches and probably non-coaches, trainers and professionals in the space as Mm. well, right? To be honest, if you want more information about what we do, you can go to teambdncoaching.com, B as in in boy, D as in dog, N as in Nancy. And then in the springtime, Adrian, I'm going to count on you for like accountability because we need to get it done. Probably mid-spring, I am launching an applied pharmacology coaching certification. So that is coming to the table. So we will be creating wait lists and everything to get on it first. But this is like my baby at the moment. I'm so excited for it. It's just nice. Nice. So is that like helping to understand the medication aspect of it and how that fits into like fitness? Is that what you mean by that? Yeah. And I'll be honest, there's going to be multiple parts because, you know, there's so many medications and so many disease states. But how often do you get a client who comes in on zero meds, even if it's like an antidepressant? No, I know. That's why I wanted to clarify, because I know that there's people once you explain what that is. That that definitely is important because I can't I've I've read the papers and mechanisms of action on medications on my own to be able to understand it yeah. to the degree that I can to be able to help people properly. Yeah. So it's not I'm not gonna we can't make it like a bore, right? So I'm not I'm not gonna teach, you know, it's not gonna be therapy based. It's not like I don't want coaches are not doctors. I don't want yeah. anyone to assume that they're going to be able to like recommend anything for a client. But what I want to do is bring education to how these things are awareness to how these medications work, how they interact with supplements that you're also potentially recommending for your clients, like the signs and symptoms you need to watch out for, for people who are on certain medications, like beta blockers, low heart rate training, right? Like things like this in the space. So I'm really pumped about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, just making people better coaches, better better coaches and trainers with what we're kind of seeing so much now in the space. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's an integrative approach. There's the the we need to be able to work with doctors. We need to not be recommending things that are in conflict with the medications that people are on. So that's a really important thing for a lot of coaches to be trained on. So I, I think that's gonna be very helpful. Happy dance. Well, I appreciate having you on and I look forward to more conversations in the future. For sure. Thank you so much.